morning, everybody. Welcome to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're reading the entire Bible together out loud, chapter by chapter, back here in 2 Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 21. Uh, this is just a chapter where kind of all these things get brought up again. We're going to hear about some uh, some guys who've got some giant's blood in them, uh, mentioning uh, Goliath again, a uh, guy with with six fingers on each hand. What, what, who's this guy? Um, we're also going to hear again about the Gibeonites, and we're thinking, oh, yeah, the Gibeonites. Remember something about them from the book of Joshua? So th- th- there's kind of some things that are kind of being brought up from like way back in First Samuel and Joshua. Um, and then along the way, uh, you, just, you just have more of this uh, dynamic of, you know, so— you know what? What is going on with David? You know, is he is he following God? Um, to what extent is God uh, with him? To what extent are the people around him subverting uh, God's will? So it's it's a lot lot of lot of interesting things to be talking about today. And joining us as our guest, we've got Pastor Dan Torkelson, pastor at Oh, where did my notes go? Um, St. John's, that, that's right, that's right, how could it, St. John's in North Prairie, Wisconsin, my goodness, now, is it like snowing up there already these days, how, how no, you doing, brother? No, we've actually had a nice fall, despite, yeah. you know, all the other stuff that's going on in the world, um, <laughs> just, just last week we had seven solid days, uh, it came nice. to an end last week, seven solid days, somewhere in the 60s and 70s, and there you go. We're rumor, rumor is we're going to see the 60s again Thursday, so... Um, Shorts and we'll t-shirts see. for you guys. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of unusual <laughs> up here, but uh, we did have, I saw some snow yesterday, and it is kind of chilly today, it was just a, a flurry, and uh, the extended looks pretty nice uh, through Thanksgiving right now, hope it stays oh. that way. Yeah, yeah, well, there, there, there yeah, you global go. Global warming's not all bad. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, okay. The, the, the glass is the glass is half full, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But um, yeah. So uh, okay. I don't know the segue for that one now. So how about the extended forecast in chapter twenty-one? Though, see now, there's a uh, wow. some unexpected turbulence. And I, I don't know. What, what, loose ends. It looks like a lot of loose ends are kind of getting tied up here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, it it is interesting how like there's there's these threads and stuff and like you know for instance with like uh, Goliath right and you're just kind of thinking like all right well that's that's the kind of the last we've we've seen of Goliath and then and like you know later on it's like oh and and wait actually David's gonna go grab his sword because you know that might come in handy or you know and here it's like oh wait there's you know there's an inching again so um, I don't know it's kind of like you know nothing's ever like just gone gone there's um, you know, when stuff happens in real life, like the, there's, there's always kind of echoes or ripples or, uh, mm-hmm. there, there, there's, there's always effects to have to be reckoned yeah. with. Yeah. The past is always there to haunt us. So, <laughs> um, and what and happened to the glass being half full there? I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. There, that's just a, there's a good segue. Yeah. That disappeared <laughs> in a hurry. Um, but it, it is true. I mean, I think an honest reckoning with history recognizes that, most most things in worldly affairs are never really done, and as yeah. long as and I and I think as long as there's sin in the world, that's going to be the case. Uh, yeah. But um, 
Yeah, I think the real trick here in Second Samuel 21, uh, especially in perhaps the first two thirds of it, is is to keep the gospel in perspective. I think the challenge here is to kind of look at this hideous story uh, and still try to to see Christ. Uh, and it it can be done. <laughs> that, <laughs> it can be done. That, yeah. Yes, it can be done. Um, it, yeah. But well, it, it, we we have to kind of throw away some of our modern blinders to see it too in this particular case. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, even just like with the word avenge there, right? Like I'm reminded of, yeah. like back in Numbers, we're looking at you know the the, the avenger of blood, and, and like, well, actually, if you look at that word avenger, right? So I mean, there, there's a lot of that stuff where I think uh, there is a from our perspective, like you were saying, because of our like modern blinders, there's kind of like a barbaric uh, mm-hmm. veneer, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, but when you when you when you get down to it, right? It's it's the well, it, it's what salvation looks like in the real world that we live in, right? Yeah, yeah. And, All right. Well, and we're not we're not always better than we uh, than than oh, that, yeah. as much as we think. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh no, no, that's that's certainly true. Yeah. Every time, right. every time that you think, uh, yeah. Oh well, we've we've advanced all beyond that, and we would never do that sort of thing, right? We end up, yeah. We end up proving ourselves wrong uh, in a hurry. So right. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's what that's some good wisdom there. Uh, would you start us off with a prayer, though? Uh, and then we'll go ahead Absolutely. and uh, just turn to the text. Absolutely. Let, let's do so. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, your your word is a, a, a fountain to eternal life, and we are grateful for that. And your word is a challenge to us. And this chapter is a challenge to us. Help us to see into the text uh, and to lead out of it Christ. Uh, and the gospel. Help us to understand that in the tying up of all these loose ends, your purposes are still at work. Uh, and help us also to to not let our, our modern sensibilities blind us to the full depth uh, of this particular text in, in 2 Samuel 21. Grant that your wisdom would be with us, an extra measure of the wisdom that comes down from above as we study and discuss uh, this actually quite amazing chapter. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, we'll 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 make sure to save time at the end for uh, what, what I'm sure will be a riveting Christological allegory on the six finger. Man. But uh, <laughs> before before we do that, um, as we just read the text out loud here, um, any kind of preliminary other preliminary thoughts or notes, uh, just kind of scene setting here. Well, I mean, verse one hits uh, hits kind of the uh, gives us the the situation. Uh, the, the situation that sets everything up is that uh, there's a three-year famine in Israel. Uh, no rain, as far as we can tell. That's an important part of the story, too. And David uh, is, as as a faithful king ought to do, and of course, by now, we've seen that David is still a sinner, too. Uh, his, his last years of his kingship are difficult years, and, and yeah. that's where we are. Right now, uh, I, I think from that from the Bathsheba situation to the end is just not a pretty sight. Um, but in these three years of famine, he seeks the face of the Lord for a solution, and the Lord answers. And how this is all reckoned <laughs> reckoned out in the end is what we have to wrestle with. But yeah. David is trying to address a national problem. Yeah, uh, that is part of the Lord's judgment on Israel. 
themselves. Yeah, it, and it is interesting how, well, so many stories in the Old Testament begin with, uh, now there was a famine, right? I mean, yeah. like that, yeah. that happens in every age, right? I mean, that's that's with, you know, uh, Abraham, that's with, uh, you know, Jacob. I mean, that's just, I mean, like, there, there's, al- there's always a time like this. Uh, the mm-hmm. question is, I mean, there's always something like that in our own days, right? The question is, like, right. how do God's people respond? Like, it's going to happen. But mm-hmm. so I, I think that maybe that's a little bit of a uh, connection point for us as well. Maybe we don't think of famine necessarily in the same way since we are so privileged in our own context. But there are there are definitely the times when, um, you know, well, I mean, Lord willing, this doesn't go on for three years. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are the times of crisis, right? Right. Epidemics or, or pandemics, whichever word you prefer to use, um, they happen. They've, yeah. they've continued to happen. And uh, I, I was just addressing this in the sermon on Sunday at, uh, in, uh, at St. John. I, I decided to preach the psalm for the day, which was Psalm 90. And I, yeah. the reason is because I think since the beginning of, of all of this in Wisconsin in March, that happens to be one of the sections of Scripture that my mind is just been most in. Yeah. And um, it's, uh, it, I, I just reminded the people that um, we are always, in, in these sorts of circumstances, required to do what David does here, which is great, and that is to, to seek the face of the Lord and to, and to ask, without being too quick to answer, uh, to ask, okay, what are you trying to tell us? And I think eight months in, the one, the one thing I concluded— uh, and it, it's certainly not complete by any stretch of the imagination. Is I think the Lord has told us that scientific and political solutions are not working real well. Mm. You know, and and I say I, you know it, you can take that position and be an equal opportunity offender at that point, which is I think what we're kind of called to do as Christians. We yeah. we, need, we need to be the difference here, I guess, and um, basically say we we you know uh, it's verse twelve in Psalm ninety that matters here, and it's a great prayer for for coming at this chapter yeah. the number of our days are right that we may gain a heart of wisdom yeah um let the word speak and let the answers come as time goes on david gets a, a an immediate answer but we don't most often you know, we have to we have to let the word speak and let it sink in i yeah i, I appreciate that reflection um and and well i mean we'll want to get into that um yeah, de- definitely. Uh, after we read the chapter, but just like a little, a little bit right now, I, I think though. Yeah, you know when you when you seek the Lord, and we've seen this, right? That David right. he he seeks the Lord, you know, genuinely, and that that is one thing to his mm-hmm. credit. That when when Saul sought the Lord, sometimes anyway. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think we again we have to stop and appreciate. You know, we we get kind of like with all of these kings um, throughout, and we're in, you know we we will, we would see the same thing in First um, and Second Kings um, and First and Second Chronicles. You know, we kind of get some of the the good positive highlights at the beginning, and then we kind of get the bad lowlights <laughs> at at the mm-hmm. end, right? So we shouldn't go and extrapolate and say that everything that Saul did was terrible, but um, we we did see towards um, you know with the uh, descent of Saul's reign, how when he sought the Lord, it was like well can the Lord just kind of like rubber stamp this, right? Like, I'd like him to just yeah. to say like, okay, yes. Um, you know, it, it's like when I like ask my my children uh, questions, like, you know, I'm trying to like get them to do something. I'm like, okay, 
uh, do you want daddy to put your pajamas on or do you want mommy to put your pajamas on? Right. Like it's yeah. <laughs> like either way, we're putting your pajamas on and you're going to bed. So, I mean, that works with children uh, very effectively at times, uh, but, you know, not not so much with God. And and I think that your point is well taken that, you know, I mean, like we're, we're sort of like, OK, God, well, will will we do this uh, solution that I've worked out all nicely or maybe this this variation of the solution that have worked out all nicely right and uh mm -hmm. we, we can't we can't kind of straight jacket god with our own uh like we do like we do with our own children when we're trying to discipline them or something so yeah now let's uh so yeah let's on that note let's approach the text with an sure. open mind here uh as as david did the situation this is second samuel 21 now there was a famine in the days of david for three years year after year and David sought the face of the Lord. And the Lord said, There is blood guilt on Saul and on his house, because he put the Gibeonites to death. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now, the Gibeonites were not of the people of Israel, but of the remnant of the Amorites. Although the people of Israel had sworn to spare them, Saul had sought to strike them down in his zeal for the people of Israel and Judah. And David said to the Gibeonites, What shall I do for you? How shall I make atonement? that you may bless the heritage of the Lord. The Gibeonites said to him, It's not a matter of silver or gold between us and Saul or his house, neither is it for us to put any man to death in Israel. And he said, What do you say that I shall do for you? They said to the king, The man who consumed us and planned to destroy us so that we should have no place in all the territory of Israel, let seven of his sons be given to us so that we may hang them before the Lord at Gibeah of Saul, the chosen of the Lord. And the king said, I will give them. Mm. But the king <laughs> spared Mephibosheth, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan, because of the oath of the Lord that was between them, between David and Jonathan, the son of Saul. The king took the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, whom she bore to Saul, Armoni and Mephibosheth, and the five sons of Merab, the daughter of Saul, whom she bore to Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Maholothite. And he gave them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the mountain before the Lord, and the seven of them perished together. They were put to death in the first days of harvest at the beginning of barley harvest. Then Rizpah, the daughter of Aiah, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of the harvest until rain fell upon them from the heavens. And she did not allow the birds of the air to come upon them by day, or the beasts of the field by night. When David was told what Rizba, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, had done, David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of his son, Jonathan, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the public square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hanged them on the day the Philistines killed Saul and Gilboa. And he brought up from there the bones of Saul and the bones of his son, Jonathan, and they gathered the bones of those who were hanged, and they buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan in the land of Benjamin and Zelah, in the tomb of Kish his father. And they did all that the king commanded, and after that, God responded to the plea for the land. There was war again between the Philistines and Israel, and David went down together with his servants, and they fought against the Philistines, and David grew weary. And Ishbi Benob, one of the descendants of the giants, whose spear weighed 300 shekels of bronze and who was armed with a new sword, thought to kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and attacked the Philistine and killed him. Then David's men swore to him, 
You shall no longer go out with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. After this, there was again war with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibekai the Hushathite struck down Seph, who was one of the descendants of the giants. And there was again war with the Philistines at Gob. And Elhanan the son of Jaraoragim the Bethlehemite struck down Goliath the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was again war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot, twenty-four in number, and he also was descended from the giants. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan the son of Shimei, David's brother, struck him down. These four were descended from the giants of Gath, and they fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. This is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to Thanks God. Thanks be to God, yeah. So I, I think um, that, that, that that idea, you know, the, the word of the Lord, right, the, the word, or giving someone your word, um, there's a lot of loose ends, and, and I think yeah. that it, it seems like you got to deal with the loose ends because, well, we've made promises. We've made commitments, right? I mean, like the idea of, of uh, swearing, the idea of making an oath, um, I mean, that, that's kind of, it seems like throughout, um, you know, in terms of, you know, what are, what are David's obligations, right, to go out and fight? Um, you know, what, what are his men's obligations to him? I mean, his, the mercy that he shows by sparing Mephibosheth and then the honor that he gives to Saul and his son. So there's like lots, lots of oaths, I think, that's directing um, everybody's behavior. But mm-hmm. I suppose may, maybe the thing that... <laughs> somebody is wondering about is now hang on a second like why are there giants if god kept his word <laughs> to wipe them all out so i so i mean it's it's kind of a very live theme i think mm-hmm. yeah uh for me as i was working through this i i kind of have been trying to keep three biblical characters in, in a straight line here as much as i possibly yeah. can yeah uh one is joshua uh, the other is Saul, and the other is David. And uh, it's interesting, but uh, okay, let's let's deal with the first part of this, the, the whole deal with the Gibeonites. Yeah. The, but the problem with the Gibeonites situation doesn't really begin with Saul. Um, it begins in the original agreement in Joshua 9. Yeah. Uh, Joshua 9 is a strange chapter. Um, it is. The Gibeonites approach uh, Joshua. I actually did keep the, the that text up here on my screen, too. Um, they approach Joshua, and on their part, verse 4, Joshua 9, they acted with cunning. That's an interesting word. Yeah. Uh, and went and made ready provisions and took worn-out sacks for their donkeys and wineskins, worn-out and torn and mended. And, uh, yeah, okay, so what are they doing? Um they're going they're to make an offer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. They're going to make an offer to Israel. But this whole, I mean, the whole cunning aspect of it, that word cunning in, in the Hebrew is just, it's not a happy word. Um, this, there, hmm. There's probably a number, I, there actually is a number of words that, that could be translated out this yeah. way. So yeah. you're looking for what, you know, what sense is this word uh, laying across? And I think what it is, uh, looking at the at the whole word study, this is the sort of cunning that is accomplished through a lie, hmm. through a fundamental lie. Um, 
they they tell some truth and then they tell a lie, essentially to, to Joshua. What they say is, "Hey, there, here's the truth. We saw what you did. We saw what mm-hmm. you did to Sion. We saw what you did to Og. We've now heard about what you did to Jericho and to A. Yeah. Uh, and um, we don't we don't want trouble. Yeah. And that's fair enough. But when they were asked, well, where are you, you know, um, and are you an immediate threat to us? They then lied and said, well, we're far away. And the reality is the Gibeonites were not very far away. They were just to the south and just to the east of my guess from where the Israelites are at this time. And they have probably because of trade and business uh, transactions, they have people in, in the midst of where the Israelites are, too. Right, which which makes them a bit more of a, a threat. They're they're more of a threat than 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 I think Joshua wants. Jo- well, I mean, they, 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 they make- would have they would have fallen under the ban, right? I mean, Joshua was was directed to wipe out all the peoples that were right. on the west side of the Jordan, right? So, I mean, they they yeah. should have they should have been wiped out, but because they they you know they resort to the, the, this cunning right and they get this mm-hmm. this deal this promise right they're they're spared and so they 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 get a blessing that they were not otherwise entitled to right 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 exactly and it, uh, it, there is a there is a part of this that is a lie that accomplishes this and that is that they lied about how far away they were as if as if to maybe suggest they weren't under that ban because they were too right. far away yeah um and and so Joshua, interestingly, one of the one of the interesting details of the story is that Joshua does not consult with Yahweh on this. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem. And yeah, mm-hmm. Yahweh stays silent, and Joshua agrees to a covenant with the Gibeonites. And after three days, he figures out that they lied. Mm-hmm. And he he locates the army down near their city so that they understand that because Israel right now, I mean, they're the New England Patriots of what is it like, you know, 10 years ago. Remember when they had that uh, undefeated year, you know, <laughs> they, they got beaten yeah. the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah. And I'm sorry if you're a Patriots fan. Uh, no, 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 no love lost there. No, <laughs> but they were the Patriots. They're undefeated. They're they're just, you know. Yeah. They're scary good right now, and um, you know, they, they don't want this fight. But uh, so 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 Joshua moves the ar- armies down there to remind them that they are the Patriots and they're scary good. But yeah. he tells them, "Look, we made an agreement. So here's the deal: you're going to work for us. Yeah. Here's what you're going to here's what you're going to do. Yeah. But I mean, Joshua realized he was de- realizes he was deceived, and God doesn't say Yahweh doesn't say anything about it. He lets yeah. Joshua learn the lesson, and the Gibeonites don't really, I think, give them any trouble after this. Yeah, it, 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 you you're know? right. It is. It is really. I mean, and I remember, um, you know, when, when we looked at this, I mean, it was like already several months ago when we looked at Joshua nine. But I mean, it is like you were saying. It, it's not super clear cut because on the one hand, yet you, you do have that verse in there that does say, mm-hmm. but you know, they didn't ask counsel from the Lord. Um, right. you, you know, which which seems to suggest that it was uh, a mistake that that they went ahead and and, and made peace, kind of without doing the the background check on these guys or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. and, and yet, on the other hand, 
I, I mean, the story itself is is told in a way that, well, I mentioned that they, they pull a Jacob, right? I mean, kind of like every time it seems like um, in, in this Old Testament sequence that someone, you know, kind of like, you know, dresses up or kind of like, you know, does something sneaky like this, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, in order to save lives, it, it's almost always presented in a positive light, you know, in one way or another. Um, you know, you got like the, the, these wise women in Second Samuel, right? Or, uh, yeah. or you got uh, McCall in, in, in First Samuel, right? So, I mean, so like you're saying, it, it is interesting because it, it almost felt like at the end, though, in, in, uh, in First Samuel, like, or I'm rather in Joshua, like it was like it was somehow God working through all this to to spare some people and to, and to show mercy. So it's like, yeah, like, well, is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Uh, and I think that ties into the context here, but it's time for our break already. But we'll have to, yeah. we'll have to reckon with this here when we get back. Everybody, Second Samuel chapter 20, uh, 21 on Nice Strong Word. Be right back. Our listeners and supporters are talking about Worldwide KFUO. We live in Accra, Ghana, West Africa. We listen to KFUO through the internet. It's nice to listen to a church service going on here in the U.S., the music and the talk shows. It's been very uplifting, really encouraging. So thank you. Bringing the word of Christ to listeners around the world. To leave a message on the KFUO comment line, call 314-996-1542. Worldwide KFUO. This has been quite a year, a lot of uncertainty. But there is one thing you can count on if you're a member of the Concordia Plans. Your benefits through the Concordia Plans are always with you to help keep you physically, emotionally, and financially healthy. Protect yourself and your family by signing up for your health care benefits, along with additional insurance and saving for retirement. Choose your 2021 benefits November 2nd through the 20th at concordiaplans.org myaccount. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. Welcome back, everybody, to Thy Strong Word. I'm Pastor A.J. Espinosa. We're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 21, picking up some loose ends here. We're just taking a look at how this uh, whole thing with the Gibeonites got started back in chapter 9. Pretty ambiguous terms. And so, uh, yeah, and so here in chapter 21, we're kind of like, well, now, hmm, you know, like, why is it that you know, when Saul went and, uh, you know, attacked him, I mean, was that was a good thing, a bad thing? Seems like it's a bad thing here. Uh, you know, and just, uh, and, and, and of course, that, that kind of reflects back onto the original thing that happened, you know, like, so they didn't consult God, but what was, what was God, you know, as he was, you know, you, you almost imagine him kind of standing back and being like, all right, Joshua, so you want to go and make a deal with them? Okay, 
All right, I won't say anything. Uh, you know, but so like, what? What was he thinking? You know, this is uh, it's it's fascinating. Uh, we're joined by our guest today, Pastor Dan Torkelson, pastor at St. John's Lutheran Church in North Prairie, Wisconsin, uh, who preached on Psalm ninety this past Sunday. That's fantastic. I'm always happy to hear about people preaching on the Psalms. Though, if you had said that you preached on um, Zephaniah 1, I might have been even happier, uh, because that chapter was, that was epic. Uh, I really liked that one, but it's okay. Last last Uh, Sunday was pretty (laughs) epic, too. Uh, The Amos text with the the day of the Lord is like running from a lion and running into a bear. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. I don't know. No, I, I, the, the minor uh, prophets, man, they're, Oh, there's some good yeah. stuff, man. Nothing, nothing minor yeah. about, about them. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, if you've got a question for us, uh, question or comments here and you're listening live, this is a good opportunity. There's a, there's a bunch of stuff that we're just totally not going to have time to get into. So if there's something that you want to make sure that, no, I mean, seriously, we're just going to like just yeah. skip over a couple of things. I already yeah. know. But so if you want to make sure we don't skip over something, there's no guarantees, but you can give us a call 1-800-730-2727. Or if you're in St. Louis, 314-821-0850. You can also send an email to KFUO at KFUO.org. You can also up on the live stream just put your comments or questions right there in the box facebook.com slash aj espinosa and uh yeah we we got a couple chronology questions which i'm just gonna probably like yield entirely to you in just a moment here but uh, let's, mm. <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap up the thought that we were on uh, that we were on first uh yeah we'll get there in just a second but what we don't want to neglect to thank our underwriters at the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. Thank you guys for supporting Thy Strong Word. Their website, lhfmissions.org. All right. So, okay, where where were we here? That's right. So, yeah, so kind of dealing with this whole uh, Gibeonite thing, right? It, it's interesting because when God says here in response to David, um, you know, he goes and he, he seeks the Lord here and says— there's blood guilt on Saul and his house. So, I mean, this is this is pretty interesting because I feel like what w- what it's saying here is like, hey, um, like what Saul did, right, has brought a a curse, a punishment upon the whole people. You know, you mentioned Joshua. I mean, this is like, uh, well, what, what was uh, oh gosh, what was the guy's name? Achan. There you are. I was going to say mm-hmm. Akish, but like that's the that's the. Philistine, but you know, I mean, like, but you see that you see this pattern, right? That uh, you know, someone like a leader, particularly, right? Like, you know, commits some kind of sin, and it you know brings this this guilt um, is is the term on on the whole people. So it seems like God's holding him accountable to that covenant that Joshua yeah. made with them. You know, it's like, hey, well, they didn't consult me, right? I didn't necessarily say that that's what you should do, but you know what? You made a covenant. And I'm guessing it was a covenant by the name of the Lord. And, uh, well, God says, uh, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. And one way of translating that is, um, if you swear by the Lord's name, you better follow through for God's sake, if nothing else. Right, exactly. The the, the covenant was made for better or for worse. And you were asking the question about, about why did Saul do this? Why did Saul go down and eventually massacre them? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I suspect I was reading a couple of commentaries on this, and I and I think the commentaries do reflect a certain kind of worldly political wisdom here. I think Leighton Saul's kingship, as you use the word descent in the first half, the descent of his kingship. <laughs> yeah, right. I think he's looking for political advantages. I suspect that this whole he probably had financial reasons too, I would guess. But mm. uh, I think that this whole story from Joshua 9 kind of sits as a bad taste in the mouth of Israel. Yeah. And, and I think Saul probably sees political advantages to say, you know what, we're going to correct that situation. Yeah. We're going to make them, we're going to make them pay for the lies they told. Um, and yeah. God, and, and you're right. The, the consistent point here is the second commandment. The, the, the consistent point is the Lord saying, you know what? You make an agreement like that. You stick to it. Yeah. And, and I just, I actually just went through this section of the Sermon on the Mount in my confirmation class last week where Jesus talks about oaths, you know, and yeah. the, the smart money is don't, don't say any more than you need to, you know, <laughs> let your yes be yes and your no, no, anything else comes from the evil one. Uh, don't don't get into agreements that you're not going to be able to carry out, uh, and if you do, um, then carry them out. So yeah. so Saul so Saul disobeyed the second commandment, and yeah, David well, has no David has no yeah. idea coming into Second Samuel twenty one that God's punishment for this is the yeah. the famine. Yeah, I, I think that history. I think that that's really um, I think that puts the pieces together well, and it really I mean you should say something to us because. I mean, like, you just think about that. I mean, Saul could say, hey, you know what? The Gibeonites don't deserve to be here. Moses said, wipe them all out, right? I mean, think about that, right? Because, like, you know, uh, you know, he, he's commanded, you know, to wipe out the Amalekites, right? That was also a command of Moses, right? And so, mm-hmm. I mean, like, you, you, you can see the logic. Like, hey, you know what? If we're, if we're going like, to, you know, do this Moses thing, let's, let's, let's do the Moses thing right. Let's go back to the Word of God. What's it say? The Gibeonites, they shouldn't be here. Uh, in fact, the Word of God says that they that they lied. This agreement shouldn't stand. It's an, an invalid agreement, right? right? It's illegitimate. It's a fraud. Um, you know, they're, they're stealing our heritage. And, you know, they could say all these things, and it, make, it, it can make a lot of sense. But at the end of the day, it just didn't matter. Because, hey, you made an oath by the name of the Lord, so... That's the thing now, and 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 I, and I think that that's uh, that's big for us. That you know we, we can't just because we, we we see the same posturing in our own day, right? Well, now hey, th- this is illegitimate, and you know oh no, uh, th- that was based on misinformation, you know, and, and so we we mm-hmm. we kind of give ourselves lots of outs, but at the end of the day, God says to us, hey, I'm going to be holding you accountable of the commitments that you make. So if you made it a commitment, um, shame on you. If you didn't go in with all the information or if you, you know, believed the lie or the rest, but, you know, the commitment's the commitment. And that's that's what's going to be the standard for judgment. Yeah, I have a personal story from when I was a kid. I uh, I got caught up in, in two different uh, commitment uh, con- conflict in sixth grade between uh, my sixth grade band, which rehearsed on Saturday mornings and a bowling league that was on Saturday mornings. Uh-huh. And my parents said mm. to me, the first commitment you made was to ban- uh, was <laughs> actually it was to the bowling league. And there was no grade for the sixth grade band. There was, it wasn't a graded class. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted, I actually wanted to go to the band rehearsal, believe it or not. And <laughs> I had a tough time with that. 
Yeah. That was, I, you know, I, there was part of me that wanted to believe in my youth that I could do both those things, which was physically impossible, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think we probably all have stories like that yeah. uh, where, where we got ourselves double, you know, double committed or, or we got ourselves into a commitment we just shouldn't have made. And yeah. now we have to honor it. Yeah. Um, and, and the Lord is the, the Lord is actually, I think, consistent on this point. Now, how the story then plays out, <clears throat> that's where the trouble arises, because it's a pretty harsh punishment. And the Lord seems to allow the Gibeonites to call the to, to call the tune here. Yeah, so let's let's take a look you know. at that, all right? Because that that is uh, kind of maybe the next challenge for us here. So, you know, the Gibeonites, um, you, you know, like their their speech starts off pretty like you know modest and, and like very well appropriate. I mean, for addressing the the king, um, you know, they say neither is it for us to put any man to death in Israel. I I think what they're saying is like, hey, we. You know, part of the agreement that we made, we can't do this, right? We can't just go out and avenge ourselves. We don't have the authority. Right. I mean, this is, I, I feel like this is kind of similar to uh, when um, the Judeans go to the Romans and say, hey, it's not for us to put anyone to death because that's that's the prerogative of Caesar, right? So if, mm-hmm. if we're going to put this man to death, you have to give the say-so, right? So, I mean, like, so they're going to this uh, this higher authority, and, but they are saying at the end of the day, we want seven sons. Um, now, like, what, what's the logic there? Um, and, and, and yeah, like, I mean, like, what, why is it that David and seemingly God goes along with that? Oh, dude. Uh, <laughs> I, I, um, I, you know, I, I've been contemplating prior to prior to going on the air. Yeah, uh, a, a discussion of God's justice in all of yeah. this, um, and and in all honesty, God's God's justice is just simply not apprehendable by man that easily. Mm-hmm. It's we, yeah. we rejoice in it as part of the gospel, but that that okay. Let's 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 re- let's go to the allegory you mentioned before. Let's run this to Jesus for just a minute. Why yeah. should Jesus have to die for our sins? Because yeah. God and his justice said that that is that it's God's will. That's, you know, and so I, I that's as far as I think we can really take this. God has has decided as part of his will to allow the Gibeonites to do this and um, or to, to at least set the terms. And actually, they do it. They carry it out, too. Uh, David just delivers it. Uh, they they ultimately carry out the justice, as I understand it, if I'm reading it right. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if I can go a lot further than that. I, yeah. I, I wish I could. I, it's, it's, it's playing with that sinful nature I have in Bible stuff. I have the answer to everything. But I think that's as far as we can go. This is God's will now. And uh, he, he obviously blesses it because he releases the, the, uh, the famine and the cause of the rain to fall. And... That's all we know. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I and I think that there there are just um, there there aren't there aren't like you know it's not like a full like in depth discussion on this stuff. But um, so 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 right, we we can't get into like you know just all like the the finest points of you know like a, you know I don't know ancient Near Eastern ethics on this right. 
But mm-hmm. I think that like what, kind of what we do have is we kind of have a basic understanding. We because we saw this in um, in well in in Numbers and Exodus and Joshua. Um, there there is this idea, you know, with the word avenge there, right? Of uh, the, 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 these kinship rights, um, mm-hmm. and those kinship rights they go toward. Um, well, they're with regard to property, right? Um, they're with regard to, um, you know, who, who has the right or even the obligation to, uh, marry a widow, uh, you know, in the case of Ruth, for example, um, they have to do with, you know, Hey, if, if, uh, your, your relative is, is murdered, then, then you actually have the right and the obligation to go and right that wrong, right? Like there, Mm -hmm. there is no, this, there, this is, this is pre police state. Right. This is yeah. not like you, yeah. you, you go and you, you call 911 and say like, oh, my gosh, they did this. Right. And it's like, oh, David's like, OK, I'll send the police. Like that's that's not how this works. I mean, you, you actually live in a situation where um, the ethical like right thing. Right. Is if, if your relative is is murdered, that you would bring the murderer to justice. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that's 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 a it's different issue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so would, that's a would, different don't, situation don't that we find ourselves in. Police state. Yeah, don't go for, as far as police state. It's sort of pre-nation state. A nation state has to have a, a body of laws. Yeah. Um, and and Israel has a body of laws, but it doesn't have a, a any any form of law enforcement. I, well, it probably does to some extent with regard to the army and whatever. But yeah, at this point, you're right. It is it is a bit the wild wild west. Right. I mean, so not not to say that they were making it up or something like that, but like th- that was right. that that was that was that was the Constitution, right? That that was the name of the game, right? Like that was that was the kind of settled, um, the the settled law of the land. And so um, the thing is that they do have just kind of this by this basic, um, the, the paradigm that's in place. They, they do actually have the right, and they would even have the obligation. To go and say, "Hey, Saul did this. That was just murder, right?" And and you mm-hmm. have to pay for that. Like you can't just let people just go around killing, um, you know, wantonly whenever they want. I mean, we, we all we all know this, right? There's, there's got to be some kind of punishment as a, as a check against this, right? Or else it's just going to run rampant. And so, right. um, so I think their request really is like. It's just sort of like, hey, like let let justice be done, you know. I mean, like if the, if these people murdered, like then let them be charged with murder, right? Like let let justice be carried out. Like so far, these guys they've gotten away with murder, and it's like they haven't even been charged, right? And and yeah. unfortunately, yeah. in that in that in that culture too, right? Like it's you know like Saul and and uh, you know his sons, like they they weren't even they weren't even around anymore. So it's like the, it was like impossible in some ways for justice to be done. And so I, I think this is then where you get this whole, like give us seven sons. It's like, okay, well, like the man who did this, right. Isn't here, but his sons are. So we'll take, we'll take them. That's not, that's not really, you know, exactly eye for an eye. That's not ideal, but you know, we will accept a compromise here in the name of, you know, putting, uh, you know, burying the hatchet and calling this even. So I, I think understood in that context um, and, you know, and that idea of, of like the life of the son can represent the life of the father. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, I think it's consistent. I don't think they're asking for anything special here. I think they're just kind of asking for what was like kind of basic law and order justice at the time. 
Yeah, and I think the number seven often has a rep- uh, I mean, an understanding of kind of a number of completion. The idea is yeah. you can't, like you said, we can't make this uh, uh, equal equal parts to equal parts, but yeah. seven will do the trick. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it, it's, it's awful. It's horrible. Um, there's no getting around it, but the whole situation is awful and horrible. And, and I think, you know, to get back to the question that you, it might have stumped me a little bit on, it is important to remember that the affairs of human beings are messy. Yeah. And, and I don't think God created this mess. I don't think Yahweh no. did. You know, um, we, the humans did in this case. And, and as a result, the, 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 the reckoning of it is going to be somewhat messy too. Um, yeah. But it, 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 at least, at least justice is done. Yeah. No, I, well, it, there, justice is done, but, but also, even in the midst of this, um, there, there is mercy. And that's, I think, the big mm-hmm. thing you get when it says there in verse 7, the king spared Mephibosheth, uh, the son right. of Saul's son, Jonathan, because of the oath that the Lord was, uh, that was between them. And now, this is pretty interesting, right? Because it, it's sort of a, a little bit of a mirror here, because on the one hand, you can say, like, well, the Gibeonites shouldn't have been spared at all, right? They should have just been wiped out. Um, but, you know, okay, well, but there's this, uh, you know, but but there's this oath, right? Well, this mm-hmm. is kind of another thing here, right? I mean, David, I mean, at least this is what Ziba told him, right? Like, hey, oh, yeah, Mephibosheth? Like, oh, no, no, he went right along uh, with Absalom. Yep, you know, he it was like, oh, what, David, what, David? Um, you know, and that, that's what Ziba told him, right? And so, I mean, David could have half a mind to say, like, hey, this is great. I get rid of Mephibosheth now because I'm not even sure if I could trust this guy anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, and we saw a few chapters ago. Yeah, it's right. You know, I mean, like, he, uh, he, we saw that a few chapters ago, you know, like Mephibosheth's going in and telling him the whole thing. And he's like, you know, why? It's, it's hard to say how you, how you should read this, but one way of reading it would be like, okay, like, why should I keep listening to this? Like, just, I've already made my decision. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just stop. I don't stop trying to like, you know, prove that you're all loyal. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even care. Right. I mean, like, maybe that's where David's yeah. at. Right. And, and, and so you think, yeah. yeah. So he could, you could totally do that, but he has an oath and he says, you know what? Um, let's see. Let's, let's, who, who are we going to pick for the first one? Um, not Mephibosheth. The second one, not Mephibosheth. The third one, not Mephibosheth. I mean, seven times he passes yeah. over this guy, right? I right. mean, that's that's incredible mercy. Yeah, and give David a lot of credit because he is the king. And, and you know, as you saw a few chapters back with, with Bathsheba and all of that, that can go to your head. David is, is, is as prone as anyone with a sinful nature to let that go to his head. He doesn't let it happen here. He... He he shows. Uh, I think he sees himself not so much as the king as so much as the instrument. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the he he sees himself as as God's strange instrument in all of this, and it's it's not personal. And you've got to hang on and go to the to the end of this section too and see what he does with the bodies after they're dead. Yeah, he, yeah, that's right. He uh, he shows mercy there too. He grabs. Mm-hmm. He grabs Saul's bones and Jonathan's bones, and then he grabs the seven and buries them. Gives them a proper burial. Well, and that's and, uh, fascinating too, because I mean, isn't yeah. it interesting? What, what, like, what? So, what, what, um, what makes him act? It says in verse eleven, when David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Aya, the concubine of Saul, had done, 
that's what prompts him, right? I mean, isn't that fascinating? He 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 goes and he he sees what um I don't know, basically you can think of it like as like this widowed concubine basically, right? Mm-hmm. is doing which is that she's, you know, t- taking uh I mean, like just, I mean, like bl- blankets and, and sackcloth and like, um, you know, just trying to like stop the, the, the bodies from being, you know, picked apart by the animals. And he, mm-hmm. he, he's moved to people. Well, oh yeah. Or, or, I mean, oh yeah. Or the people. That's right. And yeah, so and he's moved. Like, I mean, this is a really yeah, public and, thing. Yeah. Well, and so he's moved yeah. to have mercy on Saul's concubine. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really quite fantastic and i it's funny even as we've been going through this i saw this before we started the 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 show but as we've been going through it uh my appreciation of david in here just continues to rise i think he 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 really avoids all politics and i think the the end of it all uh especially with the bodies is is a final message uh, uh particularly to the house that is his enemy and he says it ain't it ain't personal this isn't about me and my punishment. This is about God and his punishment. I can still show mercy to you. Well, and, 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 I, think, and I think, think later, think, think about the Jesus who says that showing yep, mercy yep. is visiting the people in, the, in, in prison and, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, those sorts of things. This is, um, this is a good Old Testament example of, of that as well. Uh, mercy does not have to be contingent upon well, as a person, my friend or my enemy. That's right. Well, that, that, that's right, and and I think it shows too just the kind of mercy that that we have been given in, uh, from God. Because I mean, right. the, the the significance of David taking the bones and burying them, like we we don't appreciate this, but it says you know, in, in verse fourteen, you know, he takes them and, and buries them in the tomb of Kish's father. Right, that that idea of being gathered to your people, being gathered to your fathers. Right. I mean that that's the idiom that's like throughout the Old Testament. I mean that's like what what uh, Israel tells his sons to make sure happens to him, right? That he's like buried with his fathers. Um, I mean that that's sort of like the the seed of that resurrection hope that hey, I'm still with my people and God's not going to abandon his his people. So even if I'm dead and buried and it's just my bones, right? Like mm-hmm. there, there's the, there's this sense of hey, I'm not disconnected from God still. And and I think that that's pretty significant to say that Saul is not cut off from his people. And as much as we give him a super hard time and we say like, Oh, it's Saul, you know, like the, uh, you know, the butcher or Saul, the apostate or something like, uh, you know, I I think this is another little indication here about the incredible mercy that God has. Um, well, okay. We, we are, uh, I agree with you. I, I think that David um, has, has a lot, uh, sh- shows a lot of faithfulness in this chapter um, for it being kind of, you know, the, the decline of his reign. But we uh, have got to look a little bit, at least, about the giants, okay? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. all these giants. Uh, okay. What is it with so, the Philistines? How, how do they pull this off? They have all these, yeah. So, what's what's going on? Why, why are these guys, why are these guys here? Um well, I mean, okay. There's the thing about you know, uh, <laughs> there's the thing about uh, Goliath is raised from the dead, right? So, I mean, uh, yeah. I think I think that that's <laughs> that's that, that's maybe the easiest one. I've just read that that's just uh, meant meant to say like you know uh, Goliath's brother 
um, or something like this. But but at the end of the day, like, hang on a second. Why are there all these like giant descendants running around? Didn't they get wiped out in the flood? <laughs> Apparently not. Or Apparently I guess not. there's some some sort of genetic thing going on. Um, yeah. In, in, in Philistia. Uh, yeah. Um, there, there's some there's some weird we, uh, interweaving going on here too. Like in verse 19, uh, Goliath the Gittite, another giant, different Goliath, is struck down by a Bethlehemite. Yeah. Jari Oregon. Well, or Elhanan, the son of Jari Oregon. Whoa, you know, they're talking about uh, you know, history repeating itself. Um yeah. powerful powerful stuff there. But um it's interesting if I try to take this up to thirty thousand feet, I, I can't get into an answer on the question of why are there still giants around. But maybe there's a there's a biblical lesson to be learned here that does go back to David's original encounter with Goliath. You recall how the Israelite army felt about this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At first, you know, they were not eager to get into a battle with the giants. And David is the only one who, who is, and David actually makes it pretty quick work. And I think that the lesson that gets taught to the Israelite army is that they, they may be giants, but they're not infallible. And, yeah. and God's, you know, God's judgment in the form of the Israelite army's, uh, 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 Work. They're they're uh, they're uh, war with uh, these unbelieving Philistines. Um, comes out in the fact that the Israelites are much more willing to engage them now, and and now it looks like the total justice of God on the giants is getting carried out. I mean, I, if you're going to end this whole whatever it is, if it's a genetic thing or whatever, <laughs> you have to put them to death before they reproduce. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And God, this is God's. I'm not. I'm not talking like a tyrant here. I, I'm not a tyrant myself. But um, uh, God, God's judgment is is coming down on the giants finally, and it looks like Israel is just a lot more faithful as following David's example. They yeah. they know how to deal with them now. David showed well, them the way. Well, and isn't that something too? That in some, I mean, there's something. There's it feels like there's something providential, like you were saying, you know, from the view of thirty thousand feet, like. So, so apparently, you know, like the flood wasn't everything, but by by it not being everything, it allowed the Messiah to have a role in this salvation, right? So, I mean, isn't that something mm-hmm. that God like brings His people along, as, in order that He would show us that, you know, our Messiah Jesus Christ ultimately is the one who actually accomplishes His judgment and His salvation? Well, that's. Uh, all of time for us today, but thank you, brother. Looking forward to having you yeah. on again real soon. Hey, thank you. Everybody, Pastor Dan Torkelson, St. John's, North Prairie, Wisconsin, going on to Chapter 22. Till then, I'm Pastor H.S. Espinosa. Peace. program to continue. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting by Strong Word.